somebody want to explain to me this song brought a lemon to a knife fight? I think I understand the brought a knife to a gunfight analogy, but lemon? What, what exactly does that mean? Somebody help me. All you hip kids out there, what exactly are the wombats talking about here? Oh, hey, by the way, hey, everybody. It's the Everybody Trades Podcast. I'm your host, John Miller. Sorry, just sometimes things pop into my head right at the beginning of the show, and I must share them with you. But why I'm really here to talk with you fine, beautiful people on this occasion is to talk about retail in an Amazon world. You see, I hear lots of negativity, pessimism, downright crap talking about the state of retail in America. And by retail, I mean your classic brick-and-mortar shops, not just somebody with an eBay store selling out of their basement or whatever. Now, if there's anything wrong with that, of course, in today's world, I think just about anybody who does have a brick-and-mortar retail store must also have an online presence as well. And frankly, I don't know why you wouldn't. But of course, the negativity I'm talking about is mostly related to Amazon and its ability to seemingly undercut everyone, I say that with quotes, is not my words, with pricing and just with convenience. And to a lot of people, obviously this has hurt the American shopping mall in a very big way. Clearly, if you go to the Columbia Mall, where I happen to live, or any of the malls throughout America, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one that has more traffic than it had 10 years ago. It strikes me that this is another great example of how the more things change, the more they stay the same. You see... Wasn't Walmart just a few short years ago? Literally just, I don't know, when was that South Park episode where I got this soundbite? It's simple economics, son. I don't understand it at all. But God, I love it. Really, that, I grabbed that soundbite. I think this decade was when that episode was from. My point is, if we were so worried about Walmart just a few short years ago, why are we now suddenly worried about a new company that has seemingly usurped Walmart. The point I'm trying to make here is don't be so sure that tomorrow's blockbuster, or should I say today's blockbuster, will not become tomorrow's blockbuster, which means a failure. You see, at one time, blockbuster video was the behemoth of the home movie rental industry. And now it has, of course, been completely and totally usurped by Netflix. But of course, even back then, Blockbuster had plenty of competitors. Your movie galleries, for one. But even more specifically, lots of local towns just had video rental places owned by mom and pop. And those are certainly competitors to Blockbuster as well. But just like Blockbuster, all of those places are now out of, out of business. Because guess what? We as consumers decided once streaming came around and once the internet capabilities caught up with video streaming, we decided, wow, we really like this on-demand, get-what-you-want-when-you-want kind of thing, especially when you can still rent things for 5 $6 on your couch and you don't even have to leave. And we're talking catalogs of things, too. You can rent on iTunes and PlayStation and various different formats 
You can rent old movies like classic movies like The Godfather or Goodfellas or something that isn't already streaming included on your service like a Netflix or an Amazon. You can still rent virtually any movie that's ever been made for $4 from the comfort of your own home. That's called incredible value. So, of course, consumers have chosen to do that as opposed to driving across the street and going to a video store. Well, you might be saying, hey, what about Redbox? Well, again, Redbox is filling a demand that was being met by Blockbuster that could still have been met by a Blockbuster, but it wasn't, it wasn't worth it to those people to continue that business model or to the mom-and-pop shops either. But Coinstar, the company that owns Redbox, figured out another way that doesn't involve human beings actually handing out things or even actual retail locations. See, they were smart enough to invent this machine that will dispense movies for them. And also, they partnered with various different grocery stores and other retail places that already had their own space. So it was sort of a symbiotic relationship where we take up a small amount of your already existing real estate, but we help draw traffic to your store when people are picking up movies or returning them. You see, I don't necessarily have the greatest internet connection at my my current location. It's about 5 megabits per second down, which these days isn't all that fast. So even I sometimes would rather just pick up a DVD as opposed to worrying if an hour and 10 minutes into my movie if the thing is going to have to buffer for five minutes. I'm kind of a movie purist, and I like the pure experience of actually just watching a movie straight through and not being forced to take a random intermission in the middle of a scene, possibly a crucial scene when the movie starts buffering. See, I don't like that. The point is, is even though most of the world has moved toward streaming, there was still a small market, well, maybe even a bigger market than you might imagine for the physical discs, for something beyond streaming. And the reason it actually works is because it's cheaper. It's only $1.75, $2, something like that, for one night of a red box, a red box DVD rental, versus about $6 on iTunes for the same new movie. So long story short, If you still offer innovation and a service that people want at a price that people want, that's how you can still make money in retail. Now, you might be saying, well, that's great for Coinstar, who owns Redbox. They're a large corporation who has lots of resources and lots of people in their research departments, their advertising departments, et cetera, et cetera that allows them to make this kind of gamble and understand their market better than a mom-and-pop type person would. Well, in some ways, you're right. That's absolutely true. But, of course, the larger a company gets, the harder it becomes to manage as well. So it isn't quite an exact scenario. And, in fact, in my local community of Columbia, Missouri, there are several examples of businesses, of local businesses that I shop not out of some misplaced sense of bumper sticker, shop, local guilt. No, I go to these places for my own self-interest because they're providing me a product, a service, knowledge, etc. 
that I can't get on Amazon.com, frankly, or anywhere else on the web. First of all, recently I had an experience with the Ink Factory. This is one of my favorite businesses in town. Every time I go in there, they seemingly only have one person working, so they're keeping their costs fairly low. Great. Well, that isn't really what I'm concerned about as a consumer. I'm just concerned about what my final price is. See, it's actually a great win-win. You see, I don't really want to throw my empty printer cartridges into a landfill or something or spend a lot of time figuring out a special place to go recycle them. But you see, what's awesome about the ink factory, among other things, is that they do that process for me. You see, they just swap my used ink cartridges out for some others that they have filled up. And in that process, they will take my used ones, fill them up, and sell them again to somebody else. Great. Win-win. Even better, these cartridges that I buy are almost half the price of what you can get on Amazon.com. So if you're a small business or somebody who happens to print a lot for whatever reason, please, by all means, go to the ink factory in town. They will drop your costs dramatically. And the lady that I talked to was incredibly helpful. You see, she immediately asked if I had ever used their printer cartridges before, which I said, well, yes, I have, in fact. And then she followed up and said, well, have you used our cartridges with this particular type of printer? And I said, well, actually, no, this is a new printer, and I haven't used it before. And she was very wise and very helpful in letting me know that when I put these printers in there, my printer, these cartridges in my printer, my computer is going to flash up a prompt and say, hey, these are non-genuine HPQ Hewlett-Packard ink cartridges and, you know, danger, danger, that sort of thing. But she was just like, don't worry about that. They work fine. Just say, okay, I know. Just get past that and everything will work just fine. Sure enough, one click away and now I've got ink at half the price. See, that's a win, win, win. She gave me good service. I was able to recycle what I wanted to recycle. I saved money. I mean, how can you do any better than this? Ink Factory, well done. See, this is something that Amazon is never going to be able to do because there's not going to be an expert person on ink cartridges that you can talk to one-on-one at Amazon. It's just never going to happen. So people, if you can just be an expert at something, That's one of the biggest keys, I think, to succeeding in retail today. Speaking of uh, local businesses that I really enjoy and who I think are fit the mold of exactly what I'm talking about, in fact, this very microphone that I'm talking through, the cables that I'm using, I bought them from Crazy Music, most of them, I believe. And here's what's great about Crazy Music, among other things, up up in uh, the northern part of Columbia, just off just off the business loop in the Parkade Plaza Center. Here's what I like about that business. Again, you've basically got one guy in there. for the mo- Every time I go in there, it's the same guy. I assume he owns the place. Again, he's keeping his costs down by having one person in there, and he happens to know his stuff, too. Again, I was had a question about 
should I, hey, should I get a separate sort of professional mixer for this thing? Or do you think my field recorder is good enough for a mixer that I'm using? And he was able to give me a pretty good idea. And we, we batted some stuff around about nerdy, uh, you know, some sort of higher level audio stuff like compression and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, is this guy's always totally friendly. He knows his stuff. And by the way, this is the only place in Columbia that I can still get these types of microphone cords that I'm aware of. If you go into Best Buy or Walmart, you're not going to find them. So by all means, people, keep going to this place. If you have any kind of questions about music or audio or anything, again, very fair prices. Compare, compare these cords to Amazon. It's very fair, extremely competitive. Great, great service great everything this is how you have to compete it's not going to be you're not going to compete with amazon on a large scale you're not going to be a music store tycoon but what you can be you can certainly have quality control see that's the one thing that amazon is going to always struggle with to a certain extent is quality control they're going to have to rely on their many many thousands of third-party vendors to do their own quality control that's a tough thing. They're doing an okay job with it considering their scale, but again, the quality control is never going to be at the level a crazy music or an ink factory is where they just have a small staff, a small base, and just they basically just do one thing. That's the key. They do one thing. They do it in one area, and by keeping it in one area or maybe just a few outlets, a few shops, as opposed to trying to go across the nation or across the world, you're able to control your quality. Now, on the other side of the coin, well, what's the bad thing to do in this market, in this day, with customers who want it cheaper and faster and better every single day? My goodness, are consumers demanding or what? Well, here's what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't come up with a slogan that sounds like, nobody out pizzas the hut. I'm sorry, what? Nobody out pizzas the hut. Well, first of all, factually, that's just incorrect. Plenty of people out pizza the hut, including Pickleman's, by the way. They have the most underrated pizza in Columbia, another local chain. But I digress. Here's the thing. A hut is a really unappealing place to eat mediocre pizza. Now, listen, I'm not a Madison Avenue guy. I'm not a marketer by any means, but a hut, really? See, that's one of those things. The Pizza Hut has been around for my entire life, so it's totally ubiquitous. I never even questioned how stupid that name was until they separated it from pizza and made pizza into a verb, by the way. That's questionable at best. Nobody out pizzas the hut? Hey, let's let's look up hut in the dictionary, by the way. Oh, it's, uh, let's see. It is a small, single-story building of simple or crude construction serving as a poor, rough, or temporary house or shelter. Now, hey, honey, I don't know about you, but that's where I want to have pizza, is this small, temporary shelter that may collapse under its own weight if we get a small drizzle. And it turns out there's actually a alternate definition for hut, and it goes with pizza, actually. It says, like, 
they, you know why they call it Pizza Hut? It's because when you actually eat the pizza, you start going, Hut! 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 Yep, see, that's the hut noise. See? That's what now. Okay, so it's not a shanty shack. Okay, it's actually, oh, it's the, okay, now it all makes sense. I, I apologize, Pizza Hut. I really do. I didn't realize it was onomatopoeia. Now it all makes sense. Oh, man. No wonder Domino's is kicking their ass. What a terrible slogan. Especially in a world where most people, including myself, are, tend to be moving away from the grains as much as possible. We don't need this thick, doughy, nasty pizza. Not to sound like Adam Carolla here, but can we please go for thin crust? Really? It's, it's crispy. It's less grainy. It's better for you. It tastes better. Again, Pickleman's. Chicken Jardinera, thin crust, get it. That's my tip of the day. Better than any stock tip you're ever going to get. And with that, it's been another rip-roaring episode of the Everybody Trades Podcast. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.